Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, uh, we're, we're on this series called Kindness Counts, and um, it's been this fun thing, and honestly, it took some spins that we didn't think it was going to take, and last week, Nicole and I had a blast uh, doing Q&A. We shared our story for the year, and, and just shared about, it was the kindness of people that led us to realize how good, how gooder God really is, and, and just through our process of, of renovating this home, and how many people came to help, and uh, just this fun thing, and... Um, it, it, it was just fun at the end doing Q&A. Like, that's honestly my favorite thing to do. And I have so many friends, I give them a hard time. They plant their questions in the crowd and have their answers already ready. I'm like, that's no fun at all. That's no adventure. So uh, we posted all of that uh, to, to our social media platform. So if you want to see the Q&A from the service you weren't at last weekend, uh, feel free, because there was totally different questions. Obviously, they were live. So just some fun ways that Nicole and I can express our heart and, um, and, and just, just be real. And uh, that's what I love. I, I said a couple years ago, if I can't be real, I don't want to be a part of it. If I can't be me and be quirky and cry and, and uh, be emotional and sometimes yell because I'm still slightly temporary deaf from a concert last night and you be totally cool with it, then and if I can't be real, if I can't be authentic, if I can't be transparent and I can't feel safe in that environment, then, then I honestly don't want to be a part of it. So I'm thankful that we're a body, that we're a community, that we're a group of believers here that love each other, that value each other, that, that champion each other even in our hard times. Even in those rough times, even in those times where, where, where P.A. didn't get much sleep and uh, he's fine-tuned at the last second, you know, um, that's just, it's just who we are, and, and I love it. Uh, so we started this series, Romans 2.4 is kind of the, the, the foundation of it, and uh, don't you know that it's the kindness of God that may lead men to repentance, it's the goodness of God that lead men to repentance, and we talked about the first week just kind of like serving, what it is, a smile, holding a door for somebody, letting somebody actually experience Christ through you, who, if he's in you, is the hope of glory. So, so just expressing Jesus through love, through kindness, through generosity, through these, through these ways of just revealing God's goodness, his kindness, his mercy, his grace, and freely we receive Freely we receive God's love. Freely we receive his forgiveness. Freely we receive his grace. Freely we receive his generosity. Therefore, we can give. I can't give something that I don't have. I can only give what I receive. I can only give what I have. I can't, I will go bankrupt if I continue to try to give something or be hypocritical or not authentic if I'm trying to give you something that I don't have. It's fabricated. It's made up. So I, I ask constantly for the infilling of God's spirit, that it's a constant overflow, that my cup will run over to where I'm actually leaking out God's goodness on everybody around me. Last night when I was squeezed at Kroger, I'm not saying that the fruit of joy was popping out. I'm not, I'm not going to lie about it. It may not have been, all right? But when we're squeezed, if we're full of Holy Spirit, if we're full of his love, if we're full of God, all of a sudden, um, this, the goodness of God comes out, and then people are attracted to what's in there, and they actually want a piece of it. I, I, I talked about one week how Steve Bowen, he's one of our pastors here, just, just how his friend wrote a book teaching Christians how to be nice. 
We should be the nicest people on the earth. We should not have to write books and have sermons and messages and, 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 and movements how to tr tell Christians how to be nice and loving and kind and smile and actually be full of joy. In his presence is the fullness of what? Joy. One of his fruits of the spirit is joy, right? It, it's, it's who he is. So all of a sudden now we're having to say, wait, get that frown upside down. You've got Christ in you. <laughs> it's, it's like we should be happy. We should be generous. We should be full of peace. And it's not to say that we don't have moments. It's not to say that we're perfect and all the time we just, we got to get our stuff together. No, it's okay to not have your junk together. It's, it, you, we've given you permission to not always be okay. Like, just be real with it. Because just because I'm not okay doesn't mean Christ isn't okay in me. Just because I may have a lack of faith or just because I may have a down day, all of a sudden Christ in me becomes the hope of glory and he comes out to reveal his goodness, to reveal his power in, through, and around me. So this series has been fun. So today I just really felt like continuing on that, that I think we would, it's my last week in this series. Nicole and I won't be here next week and uh, we're excited. Steve Bowen has written books on this. Steve Bowen is, is like the guru of kindness. So he's going to speak next week and we honestly did the series just so he could speak on it. So he's going around the country. God's opened up this door. He's going around the country almost once a month doing kindness explosions. And, and he was just in L.A. last weekend with a group of guys and a group of vineyard people and a group of these, these huge people have written books all over the world. And, and, and they're going through these cities. And in Chicago a couple months ago, they had like 500 churches partner in this kindness event just to reveal Jesus Christ to people through kindness evangelism. It's this amazing thing. So he's been doing this stuff. And, and, but today, I think we'd be doing an injustice if we didn't teach you or didn't reveal to you the true root of all kindness. God himself. God himself. Like, we represent God, and in our kindness, people will find God. In our kindness, in our, in our love, in our extravagant love, in our being full of Holy Spirit and revealing him, all of a sudden, people will turn repentance through the kindness we reveal back to Christ. But he himself has the power. He himself is good. He himself is kind. He alone is good enough. He alone. Like we, we often think, well, well, you know, what if this or what if this? What if, what if we don't offer this at the church? Like I believe, like no drums today. Yeah, it messes with me. I'm a drummer. Like I'm like, I'll get up there. I didn't come to practice, but I'll get up there. You know, it messes with me, you know, because I'm like, We've been, it's just been amazing. We've got like 30 band members. And it's like, how do we have a week without a drummer? And it messes with me. But don't we know that God is good enough without drums to still reach and penetrate our hearts where we have an encounter and an experience with the Messiah? Like David may not have had drums all the time, but he had a heart after God's very own heart. He had a heart of worship no matter what was going around. Like, it's okay when Nicole's mic won't work because we can't figure it out. It's just cutting out. We've probably dropped it 10 too many times. Like, honestly. But guess what? God's still in here, and God himself is kind, and God himself is the answer. God himself is the solution to all of our problems. God himself is the solution to the wall. <laughs> like, seriously, I'm not political. I don't get into that mess, but I, I know that my hope is not in, in, a, in a party or a politician or a business or money or any of that. My, my hope is in Jesus Christ, and he alone is good. He alone is kind. He alone will penetrate hearts. He alone will encounter people through the night. He alone will, will reach the masses. 
Now, we're messengers, we're hands, we're feet, we're his vessels, we're his instruments, and we get the opportunity to steward what he's given us and who every day around us. But man, I think we discredit him if we think that he's not powerful enough to reach the people that we may have even messed up. Like, like the time that we didn't say to that cashier last night at Kroger, man, Jesus loves you. Like, I was so concerned about trying to pile all that stuff on the scale, I couldn't even think of that. But don't we know that hopefully, you know, we, we said, oh, thank you so much. Like, we went above and beyond with our appreciation afterwards because she was apologetic. She's like, I'm sorry. And we're like, it's not your fault. It's okay. You know, inside I'm like, oh. <laughs> Like the Simmons nature is just coming out. I'm just kind of wanting to yell, you know. Yeah. And I'm the calmest of all of us. <laughs> so but don't we know that God still works? Like, he's our greatest intercessor, and he's going behalf he's going ahead of all of us it's this amazing thing let me let me just go into a couple things here a couple scriptures in in psalms i want to read a few psalms 119 68 i'll mostly be in esv you are good and what you do is good teach me your decrees psalms 107 1 and i'm going to work through these kind of fast i don't know if media will be able to keep up Psalms 107.1 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. The last one in Psalm I want to read is Psalms 145.9. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Now, now I'm getting this pattern that I really believe that, that David's getting it. And, and let me just be honest with you. Like David is getting this. And, and, and we, we see in Paul's writings where, where Paul's getting the goodness of the Father. We see Paul's letters to, to all of the churches that he's writing, and he's talking about the spirit of adoption, and he's talking about how God is a good father, and, and, he's, and he's telling the churches this. Well, then we see David here, and he's getting it. And here's, here's what I think, and, and, I, and hopefully, if you're not there yet, I can mess with your theology a little bit here, that God is good, only does good, and is always in a good mood. He's always in a good mood. Now, it's not to say that our consequences, there's not consequences for our choices. We do have free will, and sometimes we got to go through some mess. But guess what? God is always good. He's always good, and his, and his love is unconditional. And it says nothing can separate us from his love. Now, well, what about the verse in the Bible that says sin separates you from God? Well, that's because you've separated yourself from the purpose he has for you because you're living in sin rather than living for a heart for him because nothing separates you from his love. So oftentimes we grow up in churches, we grow up in religions that push the condemnation, that push the judgment, that push, well, the end times are coming. You bet. And, and I'm, not, I'm not condemning any of those, but what I'm saying is if we're going to reveal the judge side of God, we also have to reveal the loving father side of God or the friend or the savior or the healer or the deliverer or the prince of peace. Like he's not this bipolar God where one minute he's happy and one minute he's wanting to send us to hell. That's not who God is. He, God is this loving, kind, amazing creator that created the universe to worship him and be in love with him. Now, because of certain things happened, we, we, we made choices to move into a nature of sin. Now, all of a sudden, Jesus had to come to the earth to save and rescue us. But again, that's back to the kindness of God. The kindness of our creator that he wanted to connect us back to the Father, back to eternity, back to the family forever. So here's the thing, we often grow up thinking, well, God's just a judge, and I have to be perfect, and if I mess up, huh, no, that's grace. But at the end, I'm going to close talking about the root of grace is love. The root of grace is love. The root of obedience, the root of submission, the root of obeying the commands is love. 
So we get through this, but I believe what's happening here is David is getting this in his heart. David's getting that. Listen, David's got it. Like, God's going to rescue me. God's, God's amazing. David was a man after God's own heart because he realized God was after man's heart. If you're taking notes, that's a good one. David was a man after God's own heart because he realized that God was a, a God after man's heart. Listen, the moment you believe in Jesus, you get saved. The moment you realize he believes in you, you get transformed. Listen, he is not a God that just loves you. He's a God that also likes you. He's a God that wants to spend time with you. He's a God that wants to be your friend. Last night, one of the speakers said, if God was getting a tattoo, it'd be that cool heart, but your name would be the one on his arm. Like, I've heard it said, like, if, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your picture would be in it. He, he loves you, and he likes you. He's your father, and he's your best friend. He's your creator, and he's your companion. Like, this is how good God is, and if we can get this in our soul, all of a sudden, our lens begin to change because we will become what we begin to worship. If we're worshiping money, we're going to become greedy. If we're worshiping materialism, we're going to become materialistic. If we're worshiping these things, but if we're worshiping a God who's being exposed in all these different realms, all of a sudden, I'll become peace because I begin to get exposed and worship the Prince of Peace. I'll become joy because I'll be in his presence, and in his presence is the fullness of joy. He's the deliverer and the, and the giver of joy. And, and we can keep going on and on and on and on. And, and it's this amazing thing that once we begin to worship God in all these facets and all these different realms and all these different natures, we realize they're his wills. If we want to know his will, find out what he's called. And if we realize what he's called, all of a sudden that's his nature. That's his goodness. God himself is kind. God himself is good. David's getting it. And then we go to this story of the woman at the feet, Luke 7, 36 through 50. Are you with me? I really feel like just paraphrasing this because there's a lot I want to get to today. So Luke 7, 36 through, through 50, here, here's what happens. Jesus is at Simon's house, and he's, the, he's at the Pharisee's house, and he's having dinner with them. This woman hears that he's at this house. This woman who, who was, was living a lifestyle of sin, often thought to be a prostitute. She comes in. She sits behind. She's standing behind Jesus. Jesus is, is talking to the, to the Pharisees here. And all of a sudden, she begins to weep. She begins to cry. Here's what I believe what's happening in that moment. She's beginning to be convicted because she's beginning to meet and worship Jesus for who he is. And all of a sudden, she goes around, and she begins to, to weep at Jesus' feet and pour out the most expensive perfume that you could ever imagine. It was her life savings, essentially. Everything that she had earned and the most prized possession that she had, she began to pour out onto the feet of Jesus and, and weep over his feet. And then she began to wipe all of that and the tears away with her hair. And then all of a sudden, the Pharisees start to say, don't you know that if he was a prophet, don't you think he would know what kind of woman this is? And then all of a sudden, Jesus asks this. He says, he says, now what's greater, somebody who owes 50 denarii is forgiven or somebody who owes 100 denarii and is forgiven? Which is, which is the greatest forgiveness? Which is greater? And the Pharisee says, Simon says, well, the one who was given had, had more to be forgiven of. And he's like, yeah, you've answered correctly. So here's the point. She gave all that she had. He says this, and then Jesus goes into verse 44. Then he turned toward the woman and said, um, he said, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. 
You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say something themselves, uh, among themselves. Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith saved you. Go in peace. Now, now listen, this is a, a savior. This is the Messiah. This is Jesus who's letting a sinner woman, a harlot, pour oil, pour perfume on his feet, weep and kiss and wipe his feet. Why? Because she gets it. She gets how good he is. He wasn't there to judge her. He wasn't there to condemn her. He wasn't there to recall and call out to publicly, you know, shame her and, and reveal all of her sins. Listen, they all know she's a sinful woman. I, I don't know if it was by the way she dressed, her reputation, the community, whatever it may be. But, but listen, they all knew that. But what does she know? Jesus. She knew it wasn't going to be used against her. Why? Because she knew there was a moment in the spirit realm of conviction and then worship, knowing that God is kind, knowing that she was going to be forgiven. You know, and, and you could go through story after story after story of the Bible, stories that we've often interpreted of the judgment of God, stories that we've often said, well, well, that was God, you know, the judgment, man messed up, so he had to post guards at the garden and keep him out. Listen, that was not punishment, that was protection. If they had eaten from the second tree, there would have been eternal separation from, from the Father. But God loved them so much, he removed Adam and Eve from the garden so they wouldn't eat from the second tree for eternal separation. We look at Noah. We look at these stories of the ark and what happened and how many warnings, how many times, Jesus, how many times God wanted to save his people. Warning after warning went out. The world had turned upside down. The world was a wreck. He had to restore it again. If we look at the, the plagues, oh, man, God is so evil. He sent the ten plagues to Egypt. He was trying to free his people. We look at the commandments, and many times with judgment eyes, we say, well, that's, that's control. That's control. We've got to live right. We've got to obey all the commands. Well, if we look at the heart of that back in the New Testament, they're saying, what's the greatest of all the commandments? Jesus summarizes them and says, just love me with everything you have, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, commandments were never meant for punishment. Commandments were set as protection and boundaries. How many of you like being stolen from? <laughs> How many want your wife stolen from you? Like, yeah, because we don't want men looking at our wives. It, it's these things. I, I, don't, I don't personally want to be murdered. We, we often look at these things. <laughs> Angie's like, yeah, me either. I was just talking to a young man before church. His best friend was murdered in the streets of Dayton. Like, the commandments were set up not, not for punishment, not, not for God to have the system to rule and reign over us, and not for the system to be able to punish us and send us to hell, but really this, this loving parameters that protect us. Boundaries are amazing when they're healthy. Boundaries are amazing when they're created for protection. We get to define our relationships, and I get to create boundaries around them. We, we had some people recently say, well, well, we felt we should have been able to speak in your life, and, and relationships are supposed to be reciprocal. We, we should have been the ones at your house. and We should have been, listen, we love you, but we can't let all three to 400 upper roomies into our house every day. I've got a wife and four little beautiful girls that I love more than you. And if I love you and spend more time with you, my little girls are going to feel like you're more important than they are. 
So I get to create these boundaries to say, you know, you can come into this circle and you can come into that circle and, and you can connect to this person who's connected to me, but I can't connect with everybody. Why? Because I have boundaries because it protects those who are closest to me and it protects my heart to be able to love all very, very well, even some at a distance. It's just the reality. It's, it's, it's a consumer society. It's a slave mentality. It's an orphan spirit. If you think you all get access to me all the time, it's like, it's just not possible. And I'm just, I'm just saying this right now. Like, I love you all the same, and no one's better than anybody else. I just, boundaries, protection, commandments, these plagues were set up for, for, for goodness, not, not evil. Let me, let me move on here. Let me, let me. Read a few things. Actually, I've, I've already skipped through all that. John 3, 16 and 17. Let me, let me focus on this for just a moment here. Josh, could you give me a water? I think one of my daughters did or she forgot. I was like, Olivia, could you score me a water? And I saw her leave, but I never saw her come back. <laughs> I'm like looking, and it's like, I don't see a water over there, but maybe I put it somewhere. Thanks. So much shouting when Peter Furlow came out with Newsboys last night. I can't contain myself right now. All right. John three sixteen and 17 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. We oftentimes leave it right there. And that's the one. Hold up on billboards. Last night we were walking into the, the, the Coliseum. There's these guys, like, holding that up. Like, you guys are lukewarm Christians. You're going to hell. It's like, man. I don't think I have time to go on a rabbit trail right now. But I just wish people would focus on reaching the unreached more than they're trying to reach the reached and condemn them. I, I get frustrated with ministries that existence actually exists to try to... To try to make Christians feel like they're less than, especially some of these kids, like, you know. You know some of these teenagers walking in last night, you know, what if they just gave their heart to Jesus just the night before? You know, or just on the van ride over there. And now you got some idiot in a megaphone saying, you're all sinners going to hell. If it sounds like rock and roll, it is rock and roll. If it sounds like the devil, it is the devil. Well, that's funny because I read David saying, man, praise him. Praise him with a cymbal. Praise him with the stringed instruments. Praise him, you know. He's going through all these instruments and psalms, 100 and 150, talking about the praise of God. And then you've got these teenagers walking in to, to these guys that, you know, bless their heart out in the cold and all that. But, man, I just wish they were just loving on people somewhere else. No rabbit trail. I'm going to stop. Verse 17 says this, and this is where I want to dwell for just a minute. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Like, Jesus so loved the world. Like, this was the plan. So from creation, creating Adam and Eve out of the kindness of his heart, for it to just create humanity, to enjoy Eden, a place of paradise, a place of goodness, and create humanity to worship him and have community with each other. And then, you know, all of a sudden something bad happens, so he sends them out of the garden, protects them, posts up so they can't eat from that second tree. So now man falls. Again, man falls. 
And now there's this plan, and, and God the Father, he's so amazingly in love with us. He's so amazingly in love with his creation that he sent his son. He devises this plan, this miraculous supernatural plan to send Jesus to the earth to die for you and I. To die and pay a price, to pay a penance that he didn't deserve. He who knew no sin took on our sin. So, so then we, we get to this place. And then, so John 3.16 is, is the plan of salvation. For God so loved the world. Now, now the world translates from the word cosmos there. Now isn't that amazing that he loved the entire world. Everybody, everything in it. Why? Because in Genesis it says he created it. And he says on the sixth day he created it all. And he was pleased with his work. And he said it was good. And then he rested. We're his finished work. And he loves it. Loves us so much that he sent his son to connect us back to himself. So, so here's this, this thing to where he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to what? Save the world. He came to save the world that you and I sometimes judge. He came to save the world and the person that gives you a difficult time at work. <laughs> Guess what? He came for them. <laughs> and he loves them. And he sees them with way different goggles and lenses than you see them and I see them. We're seeing their fault. We're seeing their attitude. We're seeing this thing. You know, we're going through starting the teenage years with our daughters. I was like, girl, don't you? If God talked to my dad that way, I'd, I'd get smacked. I'd get thrown across the room. I'm doing that thing that my dad always did. And your dad and his dad and his dad. We think the next generation coming up is the most jacked up. But if you look at quotes from generation to generation, everybody says the same thing about the generation coming up. But it's this thing of like that person that gives you a difficult time or that, that people group or that lifestyle sin or that religion, or that political group, or, or those activists, or those guys last night who I just don't agree with, guess what? Jesus still loves them. Guess what? His kindness will still reach them. His power will still reach them. And guess what? Sometimes I just need to pray for them. That's what we get to do. We get to say, wait, I'm not the creator of the universe. I don't get to judge it. I'm not responsible for them. I'm not responsible for you. I just get to steward what God's doing in here in an atmosphere of worship, in an atmosphere of corporate uh, impartation and this amazing thing that God's doing. I just get to be a part of this fun thing and love on people and let God take care of the rest. He's really good at his job. He's really good at conviction. He's really good at grace. He's really good at mercy. He's really good at pulling out the gold even when we just see dirt. He's really good at it. And all of a sudden, we get to rest in his goodness and rest in his kindness and rest in his love and rest at his feet, pouring out all that we have on him while he takes care of all the really difficult stuff. Why? Because he's that good. He's that kind. And then all of a sudden, we begin to just worship him. We begin to become like him and actually see the way he sees. We get to see that person not as a problem but a promise. We get to see that religion not as a problem but a promise. Listen. Islam came from the same seed that Christianity came from, Abraham. They may not believe that. They may not know they're sons and daughters of God yet. But guess what? They're one encounter away from a Messiah experience to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Same thing with any other person you're talking about or thinking of. Like when I say that person, like that pain in the neck, that person that you're like, yeah, God, just get him out of here. God has actually put them in your presence. God has put them in your path. God has put them in front of you to maybe be the light to that world. Maybe you're the one that's just supposed to love them into the kingdom rather than just scare the hell out of them. 
We have a lot of that where we're just trying to scare people. Let's, the fear thing, it, it's not as effective as the love thing. We begin to see God once we begin to say, wait, he loves this person. He loves this people group. He loves these. He loves this sinner. He loves this woman who's in a sinful lifestyle. He loves her. He loves this man. He lo-. All of a sudden, you start going through every story in the Bible, and you start sli- looking at it from a different perspective that, wow, he wasn't punishing Job. He wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't trying to set up Job for failure. That's a funny thing that we say, well, well, the, well, the devil still had to get permission from God. I think God was setting Job up for success, saying when he says to the devil, when God says this in this exchange of conversation between the enemy and God regarding Job, and if, and if the enemy could take away everything from Job to see if he's still going to praise, God says this, have you considered my servant, or some translations, have you considered my son Job? here's what I think in my heart that translates from the Jesus perspective. Do you know who you're messing with here? Because you're about to get a butt whooping, and I'm just trying to give you a merciful warning. Like, you're about to really get a butt whooping. Because Job's going to kick your butt, and then he's going to praise through it, and he's going to come back out twice as good as he ever was before. But if you want to mess with him, I mean, I'm trying to warn you, but you're seriously going to pay for this. That's what I really feel like. We want to say, well, well, God did this to Job. The next theory is, well, the enemy had to get God's permission. I don't think God was giving the enemy permission to mess with Job. I think that God was giving the enemy a good warning not to mess with Job, to set Job up for victory. How do we look at these things? Let me finish this up. The band can come. All of a sudden, when love becomes our motivator, we begin to see from a different lens, a different perspective. Let me, let me just say this. God is in a good mood. And every good thing comes from above. He only does good. It doesn't mean to say we don't go through bad. It doesn't mean to say we don't go through junk. I just believe this. I have this, I have this personal philosophy that if it doesn't exist in heaven, then it's not from God. He can't give something he doesn't have. Like, he's, he's, he's God. I'm just a firm believer that cancer doesn't come from God. I just, I just fully believe that. It doesn't exist in heaven. He's only the giver of life. He's the giver of good things. Cancer is a terrible, evil thing, and I don't think that's derived from God. And I can go through everything like this. If it doesn't exist in heaven, it says that in, in, in the, the spirit of adoption, in Romans um, Eight in Galatians 4, it's talking about the spirit of adoption. We're the, we are heirs to the throne. We're heirs to God. We're heirs to the kingdom. We are heirs. So as heirs, we have a right, a legal right, to everything that God has to offer. God's good. So I don't have to take that in my marriage. I don't have to take that in my bank account. I don't have to, I don't have to receive that as truth that, that God's doing this to test me or punish me. Like, that's not the kindness of God. I, I, don't, I don't believe that. I just don't. But what, what about when it says the, 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 that grieves the Holy Spirit? If, if he's always in a good mood, then how is he grieved? It's totally different. It's not a mental emotion. That's a heartbreak. Do a word study on it. He's grieved. He's heartbroken that his children aren't choosing him. He's heartbroken that children aren't living to their fullest destiny and actually knowing him as a loving, kind father. That's grieving. Heartbroken. God, God can't be angry because he's never surprised. That would be a good tweet as well. 
God can't be disappointed because he's never surprised. God can't be angry or let down by you because he's never surprised. He knows the end. And I've got some really good news for you. He wins. He knows the end. He can't be disappointed or angry or let down by you because he knows you. He knows the end. He knows. He, there's no surprise there. We had this situation this week with, with one of my daughters. And uh, <laughs> I got one of those phone calls, you know, you don't like to get. So I'm like, man, this isn't like her. This is totally abnormal. So uh, I take an hour of vacation from work, and I go home, and I'm like, oh, I've got this. So I go, I pick her up from school. And she's like, what are you doing here, Dad? I said, uh, Mom's busy getting supper together. Thought we might just spend some time together. So we go to Dairy Queen. She's like, get whatever you want, honey. It's like, really? It's like, yeah, you're amazing. Get whatever you want. Can I get a small blizzard this time instead of the mini? Of course. So she gets a small chocolate chip cookie dough blizzard with chocolate ice cream. And I sit down with her. I was like, so how was your day? It's good. Yeah, it, what was the best thing about your day? We go through her day. It's like, well, this happened, and we got play practice, and we're in our last couple of weeks. Oh, that's amazing. I can't wait to see your, your, your play. I was like, anything bad happened? Did you have any challenges today? What was the most challenging thing? Well, then she just starts crying. begin to process and we begin to say what what's the heart what's the root you know what why did you do that why did you care that girl was lying to you that is just not right why did you feel you had to argue and try to prove her wrong because she was lying <laughs> why does that matter to you well her middle name means purity olivia ray her, her middle name means pure she's a purist she wants justice she wants righteousness so I'm trying to navigate through this without changing her, but still letting her recognize that we just love people. It doesn't matter. You don't have to fight to be right. You can, you can do that by just saying, oh, okay, probably so. Yeah, you, you probably did that. And that's probably amazing. Good job. Like, so I get to this thing of like knowing our identity and her identity is that she's a child of God. Her identity is that she is loved by a king. So I began to ask her, I said, how do you feel Jesus felt about how you handled that so I, she's like probably sad I said, yeah he probably was a little sad about that situation I said how do you think he feels about you when he thinks of olivia how how does he feel how does what do you think kind of emotions what feelings does does god have when he thinks of olivia happy proud good like exactly that's exactly how he thinks about you why? Because he loves you, and he knows that's who you're supposed to be. That's who you are. You're not this girl who came across as a bully. That's not who you are. You, you made a mistake there. You, you had some issues. I was so proud to hear that he was sad about the situation, but still loved her and her perspective. That's how it is today. Like, he may be heartbroken about a situation. He may be heartbroken that, that people aren't choosing him, but guess what? He's still good, and he still likes you. And here still is happy thought. Zephaniah 3.17 says this. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. It says he will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. <laughs> if you're ever having a down day or somebody put you down or somebody just came against you, I want you 